0: Creepy is proud to be a part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Now please join me in welcoming and thanking new patrons. Matt, Tony, Pierce Young, Sarah Novak, Charles Luther George Higby, Smash Gordon, Kien, Samantha Gill, Teresa D. Mural, Ferender Singh, Kool-Aid Man, Riley Crow, Tony, Shauna, Christina Spatniewski, Mara Carly, and Katie Marie. Just a few things before we get going. The 31 Days of Horror officially starts in 24 hours, so I have a couple quick announcements. 1. We'll be doing another patron drive in October. This may be the last one we do for a while, or ever. As a special reward, any new patrons at the $5 level or above for the month of October 2019 will get a creepy logo refrigerator magnet on top of your other rewards. The shoutouts, the episodes... By the way, did I mention that in October, between the 31 Days of Horror and bonus episodes, $5 level and above patrons will get 50, five zero episodes over the next month. Yeah, for $5. Add to that the bonus to the logo refrigerator magnet as a special thank you for supporting the podcast. So let's review. For $5, you get the shout-out. Early commercial-free access to all episodes, including the 31 Days of Horror. Immediate access to over 400 Patreon-exclusive episodes, and four new bonus episodes every week. There are also tiers that include logo mugs, t-shirts, and more. All at patreon.com slash creepypod. And two, as with previous Octobers, I will be mentioning some of my favorite horror-related podcasts I think people need to check out. There won't be any trailers this year, but shoutouts and show links at the top of episodes. Please, no one podcasts alone. If you're looking for some more horror-related podcasts to binge this October and beyond, check them out. And three... Now.
1: This is Creepy... Creepy
0: Presents, What Lies Beneath, written by Irrefutably Why, and narrated by Danielle Hewitt.
2: No! I shook my head at Mel, emphasizing a point she should have known better than to bring up. But, but, but Lily... It's been ages since you came to any of my parties, and for what? Some silly fear from when you were a kid? My tolerance for her pestering had reached zero, and that last bit kinda hurt. I'd known Melissa since I was in kindergarten, so she knew exactly when she had overstepped. I dropped my arms and turned away from her, my face long since reaching the neutral hurt look. I said no. I heard her sigh from behind me, and then the awkward patter of her shoes walking across the wooden floorboards and out the front door. When I heard the heavy latch click into place, I threw my arms up in the air in frustration. Why can't she just leave it? Why do we have to do this every damn year? Come to my pool party, Lily. Ugh. I knew that I had hurt her feelings as much as she tried to hurt mine because that's how it always ended up I still couldn't bring myself to go through I've never set foot in anything more than a shower when it comes to that horrible liquid of death it had been years upon years since the incident when I was a kid and yet it still drove me away to this day I would have been five or six at the time my parents had taken me to Mel's for a play date and with it being summertime allowed us in the pool We had both been taking swimming lessons and were quite the little prodigies in the water. Even though we were only allowed in the shallow end of the pool, we still thought we were on top of the world. Melissa's parents had even installed a very small and short diving board closer to the shallow end that we loved diving off of. Truth be told, it was probably not a great idea to have it there at all, but Melissa had insisted. Each time I would come over, we would try to conquer the diving board, but when we would reach the top, we'd chicken out and climb back down. Melissa would always tell me she was just too afraid of getting water in her nose, which was a load of shit. She was just as scared of it as I was. Maybe for different reasons, though. The last time I was in that pool was the day we both finally used the diving board. Mel went first, being the oldest which she constantly had to remind me of. I waited by the pool edge, wanting to get the best view from outside of the pool of her making history. She reached the top, looked back at me with a cheesy and confident smile, and did a sort of step-hop off the edge of the board, barely catching any air in the process, and basically just falling off the damn thing. But it was amazing to me. I clapped for her until she resurfaced for air. That was so easy. I don't know why we've been so chicken. She exclaimed, climbing out of the side of the pool to make way for me. I was eager to test my courage. My logic being that of any competitive woman. If she can do it, I sure as hell can. Maybe a little more G-rated at the time, but you get the idea. When I reached the top of the diving board and looked back to Mel, who was already doing a cheerleader-type dance for me, spelling my name out in support, I realized I couldn't do it. I was somewhat of an over-imaginative kid, and staring down at that murky water gave me this inexplicable sense of dread. It didn't help that from up here you could make out the shadow of the pool room that sat at the bottom of the deep end, ready to clean the floors. I didn't know what it was. Mel barely knew what it was. And yet for the most part, we just ignored it. Adult stuff wasn't interesting to us yet. Standing atop the wobbly board, I could feel my knees start to buckle as I imagined the little cleaner robot coming to life when I dived in, making a beeline for me. Its bristles being replaced with sharp teeth, and the soft purr it made instead of being a loud growl. I think I might have actually whimpered up there. I know I definitely peed myself. But that was after I felt Melissa's hands on my back, shoving me off the edge of the board. Before I hit the water, I thought I could make out. Let me help you. It was too late for that now, though. My brain went into overdrive, trying to kick to the surface. I didn't want that horrible pool monster getting me. No way, no how. Needless to say, it didn't. Though, in my panic to get out of the pool, I remember this sort of shadow engulfing the pool cleaner, and when I got out, it was gone. I mentioned this to Melissa, who had insisted that they still hadn't bought a new one since the old one had broke. Melissa and I's friendship took a small hit that day, and I didn't really talk to her much the following summer, afraid that she'd ask me over to the pool. The only time it was ever mentioned from then on was her birthday. Every year she had a pool party, because her birthday fell into the summer months. I'd call that lucky, if I wasn't deathly afraid of the water now. I plucked a photo frame from the wall and stared at little Mel, her smile so deep and genuine. I sorely missed that smile as much as putting it there myself. It had been 12 years since that day, and it was Mel's 18th birthday this year. I couldn't forgive myself if I didn't go. Pool be damned. I picked up the phone and dialed her, not having to wait half a ring before she picked up. I'm so sorry, Lil course you don't have to come to my party and i didn't mean it when i called you your fear dumb or whatever please don't hate me i actually laughed a little she always was the empathetic one between us actually i called to say i'm coming a squeal pierced my ears like a lightning bolt through the phone and i listened as my excited best friend went through all the details including what to wear It was turning out to be a lot more effort to go to one of these things than I had planned. The days quickly came and went as I ticked off my calendar leading to Mel's birthday party. Despite knowing I might not actually get in the pool at all, I was pretty excited. Maybe it would turn out to be the push I needed to get back into things. Socially, anyway. I laid out my outfit for the party, eyeing off the swimsuit I had laid next to it. I didn't want to go unprepared into the pool, but I sort of wanted an excuse not to. With a guilty heart, I bundled up the swimwear and threw it back into my closet. Maybe another year, Mel. I packed the rest of my bag. Sunscreen. Towel. Birthday gift. Card. Floppy sun hat. Hoping I wasn't forgetting anything. I called out to my dad that I was leaving and started the short walk to Mel's. It was about halfway that I regretted not just packing the flip-flops and instead wearing appropriate shoes for the walkover. I'm sure my feet would eventually forgive me. When I arrived at the door, I didn't even have to knock before Mel was bowling me over with wet hugs. Oh my god. Oh my god, you're actually here. Finally here. Come on, put your stuff down. We'll, we'll do that later. Come hang out already. I'd almost forgotten what a happy-go-lucky host she was. She paraded me around the house and poolside, showing me off to all her friends and making sure to tell them that it had been years since I was at one of her birthday parties. While no one was enthusiastic about my return, they were all polite enough to hear Mel out and shake my hand or give me a little shoulder hug. It must have been at least an hour of meet and greet before I finally got to sit down for a minute, which is about all it lasted before Mel grabbed me and whirled me into the kitchen. Look, Lil, we're all about to start the pool games, and I know you probably don't want to, but just in case, I bought you a matching swimsuit. She excitedly pulled out a bag from behind her back, thrust her hand into it and retrieved a two-piece that was, in fact, an exact replica of the one she was wearing. I couldn't help but smile. It was sweet of her to buy me something on her birthday. I felt a deep pang of regret for not showing up sooner. I... I can't promise anything, but I'll give it a go. I timidly and slowly uttered, preparing myself for the following squeal. I was pretty sure it burst an eardrum, but I hugged her anyway and walked off toward the bathroom. Not getting out of this one, I guess. I stared at myself in the mirror, my pale skin gleaming under the fluorescent lights. The bikini didn't suit my complexion at all, with its bright neon colors and rainbow pattern. But it was what Mel wanted for me, and I'd rather parade around in some dumb swimwear than keep on disappointing her. I tucked my auburn hair behind my ears and strode out to the poolside. A roar of cheers and clapping came from the pool as I stepped out. I knew that Mel had organized it, but I still felt a surge of confidence as I approached the water. Instinctively, my eyes darted around, looking for that awful rumor thing, but found nothing. Which made logical sense, because there was now a pool full of people, instead of two little girls who took up less than half the pool. I smiled warmly at Mel, her blonde strand still glittering in the sun, even when drenched in pool water. She smiled that gorgeous, deep smile back at me, and I couldn't feel the gripping fear anymore. Without even thinking, I took a small step off the edge of the pool and jumped in. The water rushed into my everything. I could feel it go up my nose. In my ears. The back of my throat. And when I tried to see, it got into my eyes, too. I hated it with everything I had. But I couldn't bail out now. I remembered Melissa's smile. And that drove me to kick my legs and propel myself to the surface. Or, it would have. If my legs weren't caught in something. More accurately, if something hadn't caught my legs. A deep vibration came from the bottom of the pool, and the fear I thought I'd conquered came back in full force. I struggled against whatever had my legs in a vice grip, wiggling like a worm and attempting to thrust myself forward. I could feel the air slowly escaping my lungs... And I didn't dare think about what might happen if I couldn't escape. It just wasn't an option for me. In the back of my head, I wondered why no one had come to check on me. I'd been down here for a while after all. Wouldn't Mel be worried by now? I felt the vibration again, louder this time. If that even made any sense. I tried to turn myself to get a blurry look at what had me. But I couldn't see anything properly. Just dark shadows dancing around my feet. I reached for the nearest person, trying to grab at anyone who might be able to help me. My palm connected with the hand of someone else. I grabbed onto it and tried to pull them towards me. I needed their help. The harder I pulled, the harder whatever had me dragged me back, and I was pulled away from them. It didn't stop there, though. I was dragged further and further away from the party and the people in it. Further than I'd ever thought possible for pool depth. I turned back toward the shadow around my legs and watched in abject horror as the tiles of the pool fell away, revealing some pitch black pit of water. I felt my heart rate kick into gear and I scrambled around wildly, trying to grab a hold of what was left of the corner of the pool. I managed to grip the edge of a tile and held it there for a few seconds, before it, too, fell away and became just a useless piece of ceramic. I cried out in panic despite my situation, and watched as some of the last air bubbles I had floated up and disappeared into the pool I no longer had vision of. I could feel my chest cavity becoming tighter, my eyesight getting worse, or at least... That's how it felt. I don't know how long I was dragged down for. Somehow, I didn't run out of air before we breached the the surface. But it wasn't my surface. The tightness around my legs had gone and I floated up until my whole body sat on top of an unfamiliar body of water. The sky was a dreadful red and the moon had totally eclipsed the sun. Unsure if this was some type of solar phenomenon I wasn't supposed to look at, I tore my eyes away and continued to scan my surroundings. As far as I could see, it was just horizon. Horizon and ocean. The red in the sky had given the water's reflection, a sort of thin blood appearance, and it sent shivers down my spine. I didn't want to be in this place, Or this water, but I couldn't see any land to take refuge on. I could make out some sort of small blip on the horizon line, and unsure of what else I could do, I swam towards it. Maybe it was a raft, or a person, or maybe it was a really far away and actually land. My mind raced with all the possibilities as I swam out to the growing shape in the distance, As my confused and excited form approached the peculiar floating object, I felt the blood drain from my face. I reached out and grabbed onto the plastic frame of the pool cleaner, kicking my feet lazily to keep me above water. I hadn't thought about this little machine that caused me so many nightmares until right then. And suddenly, I remembered that moment. The dark shadow that came from the bottom of the pool. And seemingly spirited away this pool cleaner that no one remembered. Except me.
3: Hello, Bill Band here from the All 80s Movies Podcast to tell you about Factor Meals. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie-smart, Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get your 50% off today.
4: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.
2: My thoughts were interrupted by a movement in my peripherals. I snapped my head back around to get a better look. But all I caught was the dark shape of a spine diving back into the depths. I could feel the goose flesh beginning to ascend up my arms, and I couldn't help but make the connection between the shape I saw and the photographs of the mythical Loch Ness Monster. Before I could register what was going on, I was being plucked from the water by a human hand. The small boat rocked unsteadily as the creature I had watched come up for air shoot past us. Ripping through the water like nothing I'd ever seen. I coughed and wheezed on the floor of the wooden boat, trying to catch my breath before worrying about the possible new threat that laid in the boat with me. The man standing opposite me was rugged and handsome in the way you might think a barbarian leader is handsome. All that mattered to me was that he seemed to know a lot more about this place than I did. I brought myself up to sit comfortably in the boat and stared at him for a while. His most dominant feature was his chiseled jawline, and the deep, angry scar that ran up it. I wonder how he'd gotten it, but thought it best to keep to the important questions. What was all I got out before he shushed me, turning his attention to me only briefly, before focusing on the water again? <sighs> Sheepishly, I turned my gaze away and stared out at the alien environment. Wondering if this is what it might have been like to be stranded in the ocean, I knew. After what it felt like hours, we reached a minuscule amount of land. Home only to a small wooden hut, a few surrounding trees, and a wooden post. Assumedly for docking the boat we were in. The man pulled up and did exactly that. Gesturing for me to wait for him inside the hut. <laughs> I was still weary from the trip here, and having recently discovered I can get seasick. But what options did I have at this stage? I was just glad to be on solid ground. I walked into the strange room and sat myself down at a makeshift table. I'm pretty sure it was just a large piece of driftwood. Though, who was I to judge? I had arrived here in a rainbow bikini. Looking around the dark, red-lit home, I could see no creature comforts. The space contained what I could only imagine was a cool box, some kind of stove made out of rock, the table and chairs I was sitting at, and a bed with strange skins laying on it. I wondered why there were in fact two chairs there, since the man was clearly alone. Then I stopped wondering when my eyes found the small pictures stuck to the wall above the bed. It contained the smiling image of a younger and more well-kempt version of the man who'd rescued me, and a very pretty woman with long red hair. I already felt bad for him, living on this horrible ocean planet, but this was too much. I jumped as the wooden door swung closed and the man removed his heavy coat made of things I didn't understand. He grunted in my direction and shook his head before seating himself across from me. I opened my mouth to start asking questions. But his gaze told me not to. Perhaps he would just tell me. He cleared his throat several times. (coughs) I wasn't sure how long he'd gone without speaking to another person. (coughs) But from the dialect, it had been a while. Don't know
1: much. Been here long time. Call it... Red. Pretty obvious.
2: He threw a hand up toward the picture on the wall. Wife,
1: gone now.
2: You go too. I put my hand up like I was in grade school again. I wasn't sure why, it just felt appropriate. He grunted in recognition. (laughs) Look, I'm sorry about your wife, but I need to get home. I have people who will be looking for me. Can you help? Do you know how to get out of here? He looked at me sadly, pulling a small carved totem on a thread from his shirt and laid it on the table. I have no idea what it meant, but it looked important to him. It was dark, but the craftsmanship was clearly very good. I began to question him, but the screaming from outside cut me off. The man, whose name I hadn't even bothered to ask for, had ducked underneath the table, grabbed his coat from somewhere I didn't know, also retrieved a weapon. It was long like a spear, but the tip jutted out in two directions and curled back toward the user. I wasn't sure what kind of creature needed something similar to a double-pronged sickle to take on, but I sure as hell didn't want to find out. I followed suit and also ducked beneath the table waiting for something to happen. The man made a hand gesture for the door and then put his fist up at me to wait. I followed orders and we quietly made our way back to the boat before scrambling back out to sea. As we rode into the distance, I could see the glimpse of a monstrous creature with eyeballs stocked the size of giraffe's necks, peering around the sides of the wooden structure. I theorized that the sickle weapon was for slicing those off. I was glad we never tested my theory. Gateway still open. The gruff man said, while we paddled somewhere unbeknownst to me. I frowned at him, hoping he could see it in the pale red light. Gateway still
1: open. You come through. Gateway still
4: open. You go back. Gateway shut. Totem shut.
2: He pointed to the small piece of... something I had managed to grab from the table in our escape. I was glad I did. Because from what he was saying, it was my ticket home. I don't understand this place. How will I know where this gateway is? What about that monster you saved me from? Will it still be there? I felt my breath shorten as I started to panic, and the man left his post to come sit beside me. The warmth from his hand was a pleasant one even though he said nothing. I felt calmer. I let out a deep breath and put the totem necklace on, hoping it would stay there until I needed it.
1: I had Loch Ness,
2: he stated matter-of-factly. It was all I could do not to stare at him wide-eyed. I knew that I had compared the beast to that of the legend, but was he really claiming it to be real? before I could go down another rabbit hole of theories and wonder, he let out a hearty laugh, (laughs) pointing at my face and doubling over in chuckles. After a few more seconds of complete bewilderment, I started laughing too. (laughs) You got me. The rest of the ride wasn't so joyful. In fact, I was sure I could see the man tearing up a little. The closer that we got to what I assumed was where I entered this godforsaken place. Sure enough, The giant eclipse was still there, huge and unforgiving in its eerie glow. I swallowed roughly and looked around for the creature that I had narrowly missed an encounter with. I did not want to go back into that water, not with that thing in it. The man nodded to me, as if to say, here's your stop. I couldn't see anything on the horizon, and so I stood, hobbled over to the man, and threw my arms around him in a thank you. He seemed to be taken aback by the hug. But after a while, he returned it. I stepped back from him and looked down into the pitch-black depths, the skin of my bones almost literally crawling away. I didn't blame it. There was something undeniably terrifying about not being able to see a damn thing in the water. I had no idea what could be hiding in it. As I dangled my feet over the edge of the boat, I imagined some giant, mutated version of a piranha diving from the water and biting my legs off. I shuddered and threw my legs back into the boat. I just couldn't bring myself to diving back into those depths. That's when I felt it. The familiar feeling of hands on my back, and the forward propulsion of a reassuring push. I screamed as my body flew from the boat the surrounding fluid thrashed around wildly as I descended. In the panic that was my limbs, I didn't even register the fact that the ocean was moving far too much for just my small body. I kicked until I had breached the surface of the red waters and found nothing but debris. The boat I had been standing on moments ago was shattered into a million pieces. The wood drifting around aimlessly. Underneath the surface came a bone-chilling roar, muted only by the leagues of the ocean on top of it. And even then, it was indescribably loud. The surface became disturbed again as a goliath of a tail came flicking out of it, the familiar spines of the creature I saw earlier coming into view. Without thinking, I thrust myself back into the water, kicking and paddling like a madman. As I went down, I collided with a thick form that wrapped around me, causing me to panic and lash out at it. When nothing came out of my underwater karate moves, I tried to inspect it the best I could in the darkness. It was the man's coat. I gritted my teeth and determined to find a way home, continued to kick as hard as I could into the dark. The air had almost completely escaped my lungs, and my whole body stung from exhaustion. I was lost in the middle of the ocean, blind and alone. Just when I had given up, I felt something pulling me. Forward? Up? Down? I had lost all sense of direction. For all I knew, I was being dragged back into the hellhole of a place I was trying to leave. I didn't even care anymore. He had nothing left to give. Whatever was pulling me didn't let up, though. I opened my eyes a little, trying to find what was leading me through the dark and found nothing. I went to rub my eyes with my free hand, the other holding tightly onto the man's coat, and my palm crashed right into the tort string of the totem around my neck. My heart fluttered. It was leading me home. I kicked along with the pull of the totem, and before I knew it, I could make out the falling tiles of Mel's pool. Oh, Mel. I couldn't wait to see her and hug her and never come back to this pool again. As my hand reached out and grabbed onto the edge of the pool, the totem stopped pulling me forward. It was up to me now. I slung the coat into the safety of the pool freeing up my other hand to pull me in after it. As my foot touched the cold tile, I felt relief fill my body. I was home, finally. I pulled my other leg through after me, pushing the rest of my body into the pool. And just as I thought the nightmare was over, a snake-like tendril flew forth from the darkness, wrapping its disgusting form around my torso and pulling me back down again. No, I thought, no, 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 no. I did not make it all the way back just to be taken back. I grabbed onto the side of the pool with one hand, and with the other, I pulled one of the tiles free from the opposite side and swung it into the tentacle. Something much deeper than I could fathom cried out in an ancient tongue I didn't understand. I kept driving the tile into the creature's limb until its grip loosened enough for me to wiggle out. I had no idea what to do to seal the gateway the man had spoken of, but he said the totem was the way. I propelled myself to safety and quickly tried to wave the totem at the hole I had come through. I could see something moving around in the darkness, and I knew I had to hurry. Nothing was happening. I didn't even ask how this stupid thing worked. I could feel the change in the water as the creature below seemed to reel for another attack. I swam over the broken tile wall, shrugging my shoulders and praying to God it worked. Rubbed the totem across them. The small creation warmed up in my hands and I sighed as the tiles floated up from the deep and rejoined the side of the wall. As the last one fit in a place, I watched as the wall shook in fury. The creature on the other side of it crying out in rage, and ultimately, defeat. I surfaced only to find the pool party was still going on. Mel still had that smile on her face as she splashed over to greet me. Oh my god, I can't believe you're in the pool. I'm so proud of you. I stared at her in disbelief. Did she really not notice I was gone? My hair was an absolute mess. I had a strange totem around my neck, and I was carrying a coat that didn't belong to me. And she said nothing. I stared back into the corner of the pool and cursed it. I could have been lost in there forever, and I'm not sure Mel would have even noticed. It goes without saying that I refused to go back there again. When Mel and I hang out, it's at my house and nowhere near the water. Sometimes I wonder if it was all just a dream, you know? If it weren't for the souvenirs I brought back. I might believe it were. I've tested my theory about this totem. I thought perhaps I could open the gateway on this side, and maybe the man could escape if he was still alive down there. Nothing seems to work, though. I've tried my bathtub and my sink. I guess they're too small or the totem doesn't work that way. The other day I decided to go through the code I brought back with me. I didn't find much. Just an old dagger of some kind, a few bits and pieces of unfinished items, and a waterlogged note with an address on it. Since the address was in town by some miracle, I decided to go check it out. I took Mel with me and told her that I had mail that must have gotten lost in the post and wanted to return it by hand so it didn't get lost again. She didn't really question it much. She was just happy to be hanging out more. When we got there, I rang the doorbell, and a beautiful lady with red hair answered the door. I instantly recognized her. She was a fair bit older, and looked more run-down than the photo I'd seen. But this was definitely her. I didn't know what to say, so instead I gave her the coat and walked away. From down the street, we watched, and I waited for the woman to hug the coat or cry or something. My heart shattered when she walked to her gate and threw the coat in the garbage. She had no idea. I was just about ready to forget that awful place, just like the woman had forgotten about her husband. That was until I found pieces of splintered wood in my bathtub. And on the back of them, carved out with a dull blade, were very persistent fingernails. Red. Still still here. Still here.
1: For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, Or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or email us at CreepyPod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at CreepyPastaWikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license, some rights reserved unless otherwise stated. Waiting
4: on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.